I'm in your egg and everywhere like glitter With diamonds in my veins, glitter All I want is to hear from you like glitter Some girls are made to shine Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ, the glitter episodes. Hi, hi, I'm back. I'm on the other side of some serious life craziness and epicness and it's time to catch you all up. Well, let's face it, it's well over time. But things happened and life got away from me and I'm about to explain why. So let's start with the biggest news and work our way down. Just time to shine. Obviously, the house sale went through. It's not that I may have bought a house, but I absolutely have bought a house. And this house I live in is now officially a court of mine forever, unless I buy the rest of dead or we sell it, of course. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. So after the paperwork was all signed and sealed, Dad and I got super busy working on the place, which is problem number one with where my recording time went. It went on the house, in part. So first job was to rip out the old wardrobe with its stupid sagging shelves in my walk-in wardrobe and build in the pretty shelves and drawers for the dream wardrobe that I've always wanted. Now my fabulous shoes are all displayed and my clothes all fit in and I could not be happier. Next was the washing line all rusted and sagging. Boom! New amazing line installed. Next I've been looking at hating these cream walls the entire time I've lived here. So I was off to the hardware store for paint samples. I think I found the perfect colours, but I'm still sitting on that for a fraction longer before the reveal, as I have a lot of paint prep yeah, left to do uh, with, you know, filling holes and sanding the walls and then cleaning the walls and then repainting the ceilings before I even start on actually painting the walls anyway. So I have time to sit on those colours for a little bit longer. And then we've started making plans to redo the downstairs bathroom to have a toilet installed because it makes no sense the bathrooms in my house. The bathroom down by the living spaces has a shower and a sink while the upstairs bathroom has a toilet, sink and bathtub. Stupid design. So we have plans to fix it and we're busy figuring out all of the details involved with that because if we're going to do it we might as well do it right. We do know that they uh, did not tank or waterproof um, in behind the shower when it was replaced recently and a whole lot of that kind of stuff so there's actually a lot of work involved in that. Um, it's going to add cost and complication <coughs> but we think it's worth doing right for the long run you know so yeah there's a lot going on there but it's super fun to be working on something which is actually mine the next big news in my life which probably explains another chunk of my absence of late is that i'm no longer single and that's right i found some sucker to date me poor guy <laughs> he's actually a friend i met 14 years ago at university uh we were connected recently when he invited me to come speak to the D&D &D club at his school about all the fun and interesting things that I do with D&D &D, like live shows and podcasts etc so that he could explore different paths themselves that playing could take them if they wanted to do that. 
also just to chat to them and show them that adults still play and still think it's cool. Um, I think to challenge their thinking about what D&D could be or how it could be played, seeing as I tend to do it quite differently from most. A new voice in a stale space and all that, you know, an echo chamber of their own thoughts is, is no good for pushing them to what, what it could be. And um, I had a blast talking to the kids and seeing what they were doing and hearing the games that they were playing and giving DMs advice on sticky bits in their campaign or even just talking about how I create and run games myself. Afterwards, my friend and I spoke again over coffee and then over beer and then it ran its natural course of mutual enjoyment in each other's company to being much more than that now. So I have another thing to thank D&D for, not only for bringing all of my awesome friends into my life, for bringing all of you amazing listeners and being a hobby that provides so much joy for me daily, but also sneakily helping me to open myself up to a great guy when I thought I was actually done with all that pesky dating bollocks that had never been anything but painful. But it turns out that it can be pretty great, so it's nice to rediscover that. So thanks, D&D. Also, I've been playing and running a bunch of D&D, as you can imagine. Not in the least, which was Wellycon, which I know I was talking to you about in the last Glitter episode. So it's all done and wrapped up now, and I've rested on the other side of that, because I got really sick um, during the con, which is just typical, isn't it? Like, you spend ages gearing up for something, prepping for something, and then you just come down with something right in the middle of it. So that was awesome. Um... But uh, we're well on the other side of that now. So it was it was truly epic. It was six DMs over two days at three tables with three sessions a day, and we sold out. So that's 108 people that we played D&D with, many of which it was their first time or they were pretty new to the hobby, which is truly amazing stuff. I have so many favorite moments in games to trish forever as tackled um, as players tackled um, my haunted house, my beholder's lair, and my wizard's tower, which are the three games that I personally offered um, during the convention, and amongst the other DMs who all had their own amazing games um, that people played. But actually, my favorite part of the entire convention was this poor harassed mum whose child had super ADHD and was showing a laser-focused interest in D&D, and despite having never played and uh, her having never played, um, like, just super focused on it, and they didn't have anybody else to help them learn how to play. She hadn't actually booked a ticket and being sold out, I couldn't actually get her onto a table, but all she wanted to do was learn how to play or run a game so she could connect with her kid. And I melted and I left my station and I walked her all the way to the (laughs) gaming shop table stand thing and started talking about how to get started on running a game and what, what resources might actually be useful, what what D&D offers that isn't actually needed to begin with to try and save us some money. Um, and I gave her every free website resource I could think of. I even actually gave her the PDF straight out of my folder um, on my one of my one shots and a spare character sheet I had and just walked her through how it worked just to get her started easily. Her kid grabbed one of my books, reading voraciously while pacing around and pointing at things while we did all of this. And although she started off feeling 
fairly overwhelmed because D&D, well, there's a lot to it if you've never even really ventured into that space. Uh, When I was talking to her, she knew vaguely of Lord of the Rings. That's the kind of level she was at. She she was very overwhelmed and she was very looking like, help me here. (laughs) You know, so you can imagine, ah, I just had to, I had to help her out. Um, But I managed to pair back the basics enough I think that she could at least get started with something um after all as we know getting started is the hardest part as you play things get easier to like understand um as you conquer one piece of it the rest of the pieces seem to fall into place so as the next session crowd filtered in I needed to redirect my attention back to the sign-in desk so I never really got her contact details but I still think about her often and her grateful expression as they walked off and her kid sort of tugging at her and her promising to buy him a set of dice from the table that we'd looked at you know I think about her a lot and I hope her and her kid managed to figure it out and play together I love that she was willing to try even though she said it wasn't really her thing the fact that she was willing to give it a go for the sake of putting a smile on her kid's face was just truly amazing the fact that this game gives us the opportunities to connect with people that are harder in general to connect to because of mental illness reasons or things like that is amazing and I think about that a lot too you know Anyway, let's move on as there is a lot to cover today. A lot of you have been patiently waiting to hear what's been going on in my life and one of those things is also your own messages, I'm sure. A few of you have called into the show to say lovely, lovely things and I appreciate your time so much. So let's get on to some call-ins and find out what you had to say. I'm going to play all of the call-ins and I'm going to check in with you after them. So see you on the other side. Just Gems! Okay, as far as America's Cup goes, or that episode, I should say, goes, to paraphrase Denzel Washington from Training Day, Howard Cosell ain't got shit on you. Amazing commentary. Very, very exciting. I couldn't wait to hear what was happening next. Great job. Talk to you soon. Aloha, Jules, from uh, New Zealand, November, Zulu, I guess, NZ, as you'd say. Uh, This is Brian. Uh, I recently started a podcast on Anchor, have to look that up. And I was introduced to you only recently via Spike Pit. I had been catching up on his and listen his podcast, excuse me, listened to his recent episode, found you, went to your podcast, and have only listened to a few episodes You have a mighty large back catalog and thoroughly enjoy it. I am so happy to have found uh, you and your voice. Uh, One, about all things New Zealand. Uh, You may be able to tell from my my poor accent. Uh, I am American by birth, Italian by blood. My mom's family is Italian. But um, my partner is from Australia, which uh, is not as cool as New Zealand in many ways. Uh, But anyway, on to part two. So we have both lived mostly in the United States, and the majority of that time has been in Hawaii. Uh, We are now in the process of heading back to Australia with our son, who has mainly only lived in Hawaii. (laughs) uh, So we'll be over, I guess, closer to your side of the world. And as I said before, I'm I'm very uh, happy uh, to listen to all of your facts about New Zealand, uh, which is a place I also love. I'm ashamed to admit I've only been there a week on a brief stop and mostly uh, 
spend time on the, on the South Island in Queenstown just because of the, uh, I mean, you obviously know it's just, it, you need to spend a lot of time there to see everything, but I love the environment, the mountains. I'm more of a temperate person. So I love uh, the weather there as compared to uh, some tropical places like Queensland. So absolutely love the, the people, the, the progressive attitude that seems to be just pervasive in a, in a fantastic way uh, throughout society. And uh, even though I'm not from Hawaii, I've spent a lot of time living there now and, you know, a huge love for my Hawaiian friends and appreciation of the Polynesian culture and just just the, uh, I, in some ways to me, I guess the accomplishments and, and, and history that doesn't really get talked about probably outside of Hawaii. And I imagine it's the same in New Zealand uh, with, you know, the Maori culture and just the things they've done, the stories they've told. So, it, yeah, I think uh, from from Hawaii, you, you always have a, a pretty, pretty strong love for New Zealand, uh, for Australia as well, but definitely New Zealand. So that's a, that's a lot of rambling. Uh, the main, main reason, I guess, other than that is just to say I am glad that you're a part of this space and I'm a little upset with myself that I hadn't found you sooner. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts on role-playing games and your experiences. Um, I've only had a few episodes on my podcast, but I've been trying to cover different topics. And, you know, from my perspective in, in, in playing when I was younger – you know, like a lot of the probably a lot of the anchorites and having a big gap and only getting back into it in the last few years, both driven by interest, but also because my son is getting interested in it. I'm always looking for people to connect with online in a, I guess, a positive way. And so knowing that you're over there in New Zealand and we'll be in Australia, uh, yeah, hopefully we can connect some more and maybe have a big old uh, Aussie Kiwi dice rolling session someday. Cheers. Rimmeraz! Just say Rimmeraz! It's Rimmeraz! <laughs> Just kidding. Awesome episode, Jules. You owe me nothing. Uh, yeah, no. Awesome, awesome episode. But, you know, since you're talking Pathfinder rules, you know I'd have to call in, right? You mentioned that uh, drawing a weapon provokes attack of self-opportunity in Pathfinder, but it does not. Sheathing a weapon does. <laughs> And I guess the idea is, like, you know, if you're drawing a weapon, you're on your guard, you're more dangerous, more threatening. But if you're putting a weapon away, you are, you know, you're more vulnerable. So that's sort of the idea behind it, I would imagine. Uh, but, yeah, I – that was, yeah, really amazing episode, and I agree. Uh, D&D 5e, Attacks of Opportunity are soft. S-A-W-F-T. Swaft. Peace out. Hey Jules, Jason here. Congratulations on the house. That's awesome news. Congratulations on all the games. That's awesome news. It was great hearing the hearing the you know what you got going on. Don't worry about you know being a little busy and not putting out as much content. Totally understand. This kind of thing is cyclic. You know you have to take the good stuff when you can get it, and when you have the downtime to record podcast, record podcast. So it's all good. No worries at all. Um, yeah. So. Have my full support? Who knows? Maybe one of these days there'll be an opening and I, and I can get in one of your games. Well, you never know. But I will talk to you later. Take care and keep up the great work. 
you know, with with all you're doing out there, with all the games you're running, all the people you're making happy, that's really cool. So, you know, keep it up. Jules, Steel Jeff. Hey, been catching up on your podcast. I was way, way behind. <laughs> Can't believe I let it go that long. But uh, it was good to hear all the things that you've been doing ever since the pandemic had started. Um, and one thing that stood out in amongst everything was in Glitter Number 10 and the adventure that you came up with on the fly to help introduce the young boys and their dads to D&D and so forth. And I believe you said that you had written things down already, but if you do not get that all written down and publish that, I'm going to be highly disappointed with you. If you need help with that, reach out because I, I want to see that that ep- that whole uh, game thing out there. It was awesome. Love how you did it. All right, later. Hi, Jules. This is BJ from the Arcane Alienist podcast. Um, just listening to your to your latest episode, and catching up on some old stuff, <laughs> and uh, I thought your your comments on on um, flanking and attacks of opportunities were really interesting. Uh, I remember, like in third edition D and D Pathfinder one, th- there were so many things that provoked an act of opportunity that it almost became a disincentive to try things like tripping an opponent or sundering their weapon or disarming or things like that, unless you had a feat that would mitigate or, or cancel out the opportunity attack. So it, it it was kind of a disincentive, and I think in fifth edition they're trying to get away from that. But I agree with you that there are certain normal situations where you would think yeah, that ought to provoke an opportunity attack, and it doesn't. So I, I kind of like some of the ideas you were having about, particularly about if someone's trying to get up in the middle of combat, um, that opportunity attack should be an easy... And, and an idea occurred to me several years ago. I think I can't remember if I was running a third edition. It may have been fourth edition. It, it had similar ideas about flanking. Um, uh, but but I, I remember thinking it would be interesting if the act of flanking an opponent meant that they couldn't take opportunity actions because part of what's going on with an opportunity attack is that you're you're looking for an opening, you're, you're looking for the, the opponent to make a mistake. Well, if you yourself are having to guard against two or more opponents, it might be harder for you to to make an opportunity attack. So, so how that would work would be um, if, if, if an ally falls down prone, I can rush up and flank uh, our enemy to cover his ability to get up without provoking an opportunity attack or to, if he's wounded, he can slide away quickly without an opportunity attack because two other people have it. Uh, of course, then you get into a big question of, well, if two people have you flanked and you're kind of pinned down, if, if one of your allies comes up and flanks one of the people flanking you, does that sort of shut down their mobility and opportunity attack? So it could get really complicated if you let it get out of hand. But but kind of the idea of being flanked negates some of your ability to take opportunity attacks, I think might introduce a little more tactical play into where people try to position themselves in combat. Um, of course, it makes things more complicated, and that's a lot of the, the balance we're looking for in 5e is to make things interesting, but also making them simple and efficient enough that they run smoothly and you're not constantly having to do a bunch of calculations to figure out what happens round around.
Anyway, I really enjoyed that episode. Like hearing your thoughts on that. Hey, Jules, Jason here. I really enjoyed listening to your news episode. I could listen to you recount the news every do a, new, a weekly recap of the news every week. But hopefully, if you do it again, we have some more lighter, uplifting stories. Because really, you just reminded me that you know, even though New Zealand's X thousand miles away from the U.S., people around the world are pretty much people all the same. So, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, and not that that's necessarily a shock, but, you know, it, it, I don't know. Congratulations on your house, and I look forward to hearing your next Twitter episode. Take care. Oh, see, weren't they wonderful? Okay, let's start off with Jason. Jason, I always love your messages of support. I'm so glad you've stuck with me and I look forward to hearing what you have to say always. I will always have a space for you in any game you want to play, Jason, and I hope that we can make that happen someday soon. I also really enjoy your messages on other people's shows. I think Joey of Hindsightless called it recently about you just being the best. And I'm looking forward to Rictacon in Hawaii, where we all get to sit down and drink Mai Tais to chat about all things TTRPG. I'm sorry about the last episode getting you down, dude. It's sad to think of uh, my magical fantasy land as just like everywhere else. I know. Uh, Sadly, it is. But I'll try and make sure that the next one is much more of a sparkly distraction for the real world, just for you, my friend. Promise. Pinky swear. Brian, aloha to you. Kia ora, and welcome to the podcast sphere. It's great to have you. I look forward to hearing your RPG exploits, and I wanted to thank you for the Jules from NZ shout out that you put on your podcast episode that I did manage to listen to. Uh, that's super sweet, and I hope that you are still enjoying the back catalog um, as you go through your own sort of mini lockdown as you uh, get ready to enter the country. Maybe you've already entered Australia yet. I haven't caught up, but um, thank you for listening along. I agree. It's the stories that you don't hear often that are the most fun to tell, and there is so much people don't know about Aotearoa, and I imagine it's the same with Hawaii. Um yeah, I'm stoked to have somebody else on my side of the world too, so we absolutely should get together and game, or at the very least talk about gaming. I actually have a Discord called Glitter, a safe gaming space I created when some other Discords weren't maybe as welcoming to a female gamer who loves 5e, not naming names, of course. So hit me up if you'd like to slide in there, and we can totally chat some more, and you can meet some more people on the side of the world as well. Joey, as always, you're right. Rumor is. And it's sheathing weapons. You're right. God damn it. Why couldn't I remember both of those things? It's probably because I need to play more Pathfinder, right, Joey? Could you help with that at all, Joey? More Pathfinder? Huh? Please? Anchorites, I call you to arms. Help me bully Joey into DMing for us once more. He's the best, isn't he? Isn't he? He's the bomb. Yeah, Joey, more Pathfinder. Mm Mm-hmm. Evil Jeff, it's great to hear you're still listening along. Don't worry about being behind. I am too with my own content. (laughs) Um, That level one adventure is actually still being refined all the time. Uh, I still pull it out now um, and run it for uh, newbies, which um, it is 
going really well. <laughs> still, um, I'd love to have some feedback on it. Stadley, it's still in pen and paper form in my adventure creation scrapbook that I have, which is just this massive, big, blank, like, sketchbook. Um, I think it originally was supposed to be, and now it's just, like, a pages of brainstorms of adventures that I scribble all over. And it's not anywhere digital to, in order to be able to send it to you. But if I wrote up my notes somewhere, I'd be super grateful for the assistance to get that up and running to get published or something like that. It's certainly something I feel passionately about, teaching our junior gamers in a way that's easy and fun and accessible, getting them into the game early. You know, creating a lifelong love that has certainly done me wonders. So yes, let's work together on that if you are still keen. And I will type that up somewhere, somehow, find the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, BJ, I'm so glad someone called in regarding the attacks of opportunity to chat about rules. I love it, especially seeing as you agree with me. <laughs> and I like that flanking AOO idea. Because that makes sense, you know, flanking is about keeping the enemy distracted more than it is about hitting better, which when you're rolling with advantage, some people forget why you're rolling with advantage. They just think it's because they're hitting better, but it's actually, you know, about the distraction. So it makes sense that while they're distracted, like that attacks of opportunity would be harder. I'd like disadvantage though, perhaps instead of negates. I I, I hate doing negates because I hate taking the the option away or the opportunity away or the um the randomness of the dice away you know I still think any form of movement around the enemy should allow them to try and lash out in whatever way they can though and I have been playing that sort of um rule um rule change I guess because as you know 5e usually if you step around the enemy but still keep within their reach it's not actually considered um a moment for attacks of opportunity but I have been playing it as that um with one group in particular and I really don't think it's made the game much harder for them they're not in any more danger of like dying um I don't even really hit them that much more the attack of opportunity hardly ever actually you know hits they just use a little bit more tactics to fight now and I know that's not really 5e to be crunchy but sometimes I think it needs a little crunch or the fights feel too easy not easy not boring because gaming never is but maybe same same yeah it's close Anyway, thanks so much for the call-ins. I love it. And I hope you keep listening and calling in for the future with cool thoughts on rules because I love it. All right. That is all of my call-ins. Thank you so much to everybody who called. Let's move on to the games I have been playing. And there have been so many since last we spoke. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. So... Let's go way, 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 way back to Green and Pleasant Land, which is all over. <laughs> but that's how long it's been since I've talked to you about the games. Rosie Ardern is all done. You can hear the story breakdown better than I could ever on Hindsight List with Joey, who was our DM. And her final message on Season 9, Episode 20, Deadly Virility, as she continues to fight for those less fortunate than herself. Which is a lot of people saying as she was a rich noble right from the start. <laughs> I just want to shout out Joey for being an epic DM. 
and Woody, Shell, James and Laura for being some of the best players that I've ever had the fortune of playing with. Joey kept us on the edge of our seats with challenging encounters, engaging stories and super awesome rewards. And my fellow players were always engaged with play, had epic characters built that they wrung every tiny little bit of magic or action from in every game and kept me laughing the entire time or feeling like all of the feelings as they role played so brilliantly. It may have been a shorter campaign than the most that I've played, but it felt real and heart-wrenching to me. And the pain of never being able to play Rosie again is super real. I crafted her a mini version of her shield for the last game. And I was swinging it around on camera, cracking everybody up. But it hangs now above my PC in pride of place to remind me of the sort of DM I want to be and the gaming experience that I want my players to have. So thanks, crew. You're the best. Fate of Aizen continues to move towards its inevitable conclusion at a reckless pace now, it seems. A DM has an ending of this crazy story firmly in his sights and a timeline to meet. Things are spiraling out of control as huge and larger creatures have been released on Aizen. Chaos literally reigns as the god of chaos is seemingly in control of the world. And the Apple Squadeth is expending everything they have in the fight to save the world. It's at the point where our fights are epic. The hits are insanely hard and we level through two levels at a time. Our DM has promised to get us to level 20 if we survive the encounters that he's throwing at us, but boy is he making us work for it. It's pretty epic right now. We're also having guests from earlier in the podcast return, and that's been pretty fun too. I'm enjoying this rush to the end, but I'm also sort of aware that I don't know what happens when we get there. Even if Marley Crafts survives to get to the last fight, even if, if they lose, the world explodes. And what then? What is left? Like, even if she wins the last fight, what then? What What is left? Will the DM tell another story or will it just end? I mean, I hope not, but even I don't know. So I guess we'll just have to tackle that when we get there. It's not too late to join the rush to the end and it is pretty exciting, honestly, following along right now. So it's a great time to get into it. Other things I don't know is when Polly's Angels will play again. Scheduling has basically been impossible. Monday nights are now the only thing available and some Mondays I have other things on like band practices or other recordings which means we might only play once a month or even less which is super sad for both the plans that I had made within Ghosts of Saltmarsh for the players and for the players obviously. To combat this, some of the players broke off to play a new campaign with me. Yep, I'm that idiot who volunteered to do another simultaneous campaign. This one with the aim of being mainly in person and running Icewind Dale, another adventure module produced by Wizards without me having to create my own world, so that's good. But so I can get a practice run at this book with an epic and forgiving crew who let me get things wrong and use them as guinea pigs. Just being grateful for being able to spend time together, you know, playing as friends and eating snacks and having a good time around the table. We had a lot of fun creating characters and doing our first sessions, setting into the world and wham, scheduling issues. <laughs> I mean, it's almost hilarious. We'll get it figured out, but it might be a couple of weeks before we manage to get in a session two, and that's kind of gutting. But we will figure it out. We're determined to keep playing. I love these people, so I want to keep them around my table. 
my work with Christbook keeps on trucking too. I have had two private bookings recently where I have to go to somebody's house to run games for them. And I have two more coming up. I also have had two monthly sessions at Counterculture, the board game cafe, which we have a standing engagement with now, which is pretty epic. Um, And I'm pretty much booked out for the rest of the year to do every month, which is also pretty cool. Um, A couple of those games have actually turned into a form of more stable revenue for me in a gaming space as a few players became players in my quest book campaign game. Campaign? Yep. I'm now running a weekly paid game of Ghosts of Saltmarsh for some people, mostly from New Zealand, but one chick from overseas who joined after reading some good reviews about my DMing, apparently, and wanting to play with a female DM for a change. Talk about flattering. Uh, Also, where are these reviews, and can I see them? (laughs) But let's talk about the campaign, because we've already played seven sessions. God, have we played seven sessions? That's crazy. We have recently decided to call themselves the V-Vanquishers. Yes, I said V-Vanquishers. Basically because one of the players was pushing for Valions, which is his character's name, Vanquishers. And then we had someone join whose character was named Vessa. So it was Valion and Vessa's Vanquishers, um, which surprisingly didn't sit well with the players who play Evelyn, Aldric, and Dalen. <laughs> but group consensus went with V-Vanquishers for different reasons for different characters. Obviously, Valian and Vessa think that it's their name. Others think that it's Verily Vanquishers or Very Vanquishers or Valued Vanquishers or whatever they come up with at the time. It's all pretty funny, really, in the moment. They have completed uh, Chapter 1 of the Ghosts of Saltmarsh Adventure module already. Semi-spoilers ahead here. No real details, but just letting you know that there is some little tiny spoilers coming here. They have explored the Haunted Mansion exposed the smugglers operation went back to Saltmarsh, took the contract from the council to shut down the operation and managed to take control of the smuggling ship after a small miscommunication with a smuggling um, hooded lantern communication where they really got the signals wrong and pretty much exposed themselves as being the wrong people before they'd even tried to bluff their way aboard which was hilarious for me honestly that was probably one of my favorite moments so far um however they have got themselves in a tangle as they found a sea elf prisoner on board and a trio of lizard folk who they didn't kill after they and have asked for their help with delivering weapons to their colony while refusing to tell them anything about what they need the weapons for the players sort of decided to go back to Saltmarsh, and I say sort of because there was a lot of discussion. There was almost a whole session of discussion about what to do. Um, in the end, I had to move it forward because it is a paid campaign, and I don't want them to do nothing in those sessions because I can see that some people are getting frustrated. And, you know, it's my job as a DM to make sure that everybody gets the game that they want to play, which is super tough at times. Um but they sort of decided, majority, I guess, decided to go back to Saltmarsh, which is good for me, actually, because that's how the adventure goes in the book. Um, <laughs> I would have worked with it if they'd decided to go straight to the Lizardvoe colony, which is one of the things that they were up against. Um, but with consequences for stealing a ship and running from Saltmarsh Council, of course. 
<laughs> because if they had, I would have had to have done something. This way is easier, however, and I'm a little grateful for that, considering I am now running three simultaneous campaigns, and because I'm a sucker for punishment, trying to write individual sort of links to the storylines and their backgrounds and their backstories that they have provided me into the world to make sure that each player is engaged in a meaningful way with the world as well, and it's not just like the adventure playing out. Because, yeah, like I say, I'm a sucker. Um, but they've been a hilarious bunch who I've barely managed to keep alive. Of course, I make the adventure challenging to the players and I don't go easy just because someone goes down. But I genuinely think if the new player who was playing a furbog cleric didn't join on the session she did, that might have been a TPK. Level one is super squishy. <laughs> they went through the house in a way that no one else has playing this out has before. And which meant it got hard quick when they weren't really at the level for that. And I was worried there for a bit, that's for sure. But it all turned out well and really added some role play in as characters had serious moments and life-changing events. Uh, we're playing again tonight with a new player again bring the party to six players as we start the next chapter. And I look forward to seeing what they surprise me with this time. In fact, the next job I have is to make sure that I'm ready for this because we're all playing online on Roll20 and sometimes like, um, like dynamic lighting and those kind of things is a pain in my butt when it does not work properly. And dancing lights is a hell of a cantrip. Um, so... Yeah. Well, cantrip? I don't even know. What is it? God, I should definitely figure out what Dancing Lights is because he casts it all of the time. Anyway, <laughs> side note. This episode of Glitter has gone on already for a long time and I just realized that I have about three hours before the game and I should probably seriously prep for that. So I think I'll wrap it up here. Even though there is so much more I want to talk to you about, I'm looking at a list in front of me, like the game of A Quiet Year I played or the updates on the Panhead and Zealandia events that are coming up soon, let alone the things my covers band has been up to lately and have coming up for them in the future. There just isn't ever enough time though, and such topics will have to wait for next time. I do also have some serious thoughts on the grapple, restrained, paralyzed, and incapacitated 5e rules that I want to talk about next time also. So if you have any gripes or thoughts on those, feel free to call in ahead of the episode. It may help me debate and argue my points to hear yours as well. Personal thanks to my seven gems, James, Jason, Barry, Liren, KP, Ezekiel, and Joey. I could not do this without you. And a special thanks to my call-ins, Brian, Joey, BJ, Evil Jeff, and of course, Jason. Rude past Julia. It's been a while since I did this, and I nearly forgot good podcasting etiquette is to share podcast names. Bad Julia. So let's try that again. Thanks to Brian from Have to Look That Up podcast, Joey from Hindsightless, BJ from The Arcane Alienist, Evil Jeff from Minions and Musings, and of course, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. All great shows, and you should check them all out if you're not already listening.
My next episode of Jewels from NZ is about winter, so look forward to that. And the next episode of Glitter will probably be another mess of a bunch of thoughts and events in my life. If you are enjoying listening to Jewels from NZ, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice or tell a friend. It all helps. You can find Jules me <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter as Jules Bergeser and Instagram as Jules from NZ and that is my name J-U-L-Z. If you look for that you'll find me. Enohora kakite ano aroha nui. I'm mucking up my own send off because that seems appropriate right now. <laughs> I love you all and I'll see you again next time. Mwah. Goodbye.